0: We did a couple of weeks on community, and last week we talked a little bit about our expectations and, and the sort of the, the things that we bring in with us into community. And we learned a little bit more about expectations in that they can be things that really take away from the communal experience. Because what our expectations do is that they, they set us up for letdown. Because if if we are if we are expecting something, That means that we're we're clutching it, we're we're trying to control it, we're trying to make it happen. Uh, Versus if we're anticipating something or if we're hoping something will happen, we're actually more able to receive what it is that comes to us. So we addressed expectations a little bit. Last week, Pastor Carlos addressed that. This week, we're going to talk about what happens when some of those expectations are revealed to us and, and there's hurt because of it or there's pain because of it. Sometimes that, that can happen. And then there are other, other times when we will just hurt one another because uh, we are people who are prone to sinful behavior and sinful activity. And, and when that happens, when we get together, we're in, the, we're in the same space over a period of time, we will end up hurting each other. So what do we do in order to to respond in a Christ-like manner. And I believe that the the best way to respond in a Christ-like manner when we hurt one another is to forgive or to extend forgiveness and also to receive forgiveness. So the two ways we're gonna talk about forgiveness tonight is first of all, we'll start in why forgive? So try to answer that question, why should we forgive? Why would we forgive? Why do we forgive? And second, we're gonna talk a little bit about the process of forgiveness. And we'll talk about that through uh, the angle of talking about resolving conflict. And I I think that resolving conflict or the process of conflict resolution is is a, a vehicle towards forgiveness. So there's some practical tools that I hope to give to you tonight about how to go through the process of forgiveness. But first, before we do any of that, we're going to study Scripture. We should always start with Scripture. We should always end with Scripture. It should always be in the middle. So on your handout, there is a Scripture from Matthew 18. So in your small groups, or in groups, I should say, let me rephrase, in groups of about no more than six and no less than four, I'd like you to break into those groups in just a couple minutes. I'm going to give you a little bit more instruction about that, but that's, that's the size of the group. In your groups, I'd like you to read through this scripture, and then there are some small group discussion questions attached to the bottom of the scripture. But first, I, I want to I say that Matthew 18 is this great chapter that actually gives us some good tools about The Process of Forgiveness that we'll look at a little bit later. But I I like to look at this this narrative because um, story is often where we can kind of locate who we might be and how we might respond. And this is is a, a scripture, a text, where Jesus tells a story about what forgiveness can be. And it all starts with the disciple... Also, the apostle, the sent one, Peter, asking a very Peter-like question. So starting in verse 21, I'll go ahead and read this for us, and then I'll dismiss you to get into small groups and work with your discussion questions. Matthew 18, verse 21. Then Peter came to him, came to Jesus, and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant, therefore, fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. Continuing in verse 28. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me. I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. Good luck paying your debt while in prison. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? I'm going to pray, and then I'd like to dismiss you to get into groups of four or six and study the text and talk about these small group discussion questions. Matthew. All right. Um, Matthew 18:21 to 33. Dan, we're going to talk about Matthew 18, verses 21 to 33. And in Matthew 18, verses 21 to 33, there were a few questions that I gave you to kind of talk over. So I heard some great conversations happening in those groups. And I love it when people engage with Scripture and engage with some discussion questions around Scripture because I think when we actually say things out loud, we're able to remember them, and sometimes they just become more real about what our experience has been or what we see And what we know, what we've come to believe is true from Scripture. So here's some of the ways that I've dealt with a few of those, a couple of those questions that you work with. The first question being, what do you notice about Peter's question in verse 21? And his question is, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? So actually there's two questions there. Well, the first thing I notice about that question from Peter is the idea that Peter is asking how many times his brother will sin against him he's not asking how many times am I going to mess up and hurt somebody else he's asking on behalf of the person that's going to hurt him so there actually I feel like there is some some assumption there like when people hurt me how many times do I have to forgive them um, and, and I think you know, that's, that's fair. That's fair. People hurt us, and we, we need to know how often you know, we, should, we should forgive them. But I think it's also a, a good thing to be in the place where we, we need to know how many times people are going to forgive us when we hurt them. He's also asking, his second question is up to seven times, like there's to put a number on it. Well, I think the reason why he's asking up to seven times is because there were, there were some rabbis at the time that taught that You could forgive somebody up to three times, and that was the limit. That was the number limit that you'd place on it. Because after three times, then that person really didn't mean to change. They were just going to continue to be that way, and you needed to cut them off. That was the boundary. So three times you could forgive them, and then after that, that's it. You've had it. And Jesus' response to this, is 70 times 7 thing, okay, for, for all you math folks out there, that's 490, right? And came up with that. Or some of you maybe punched out your calculators and thought, oh, Jesus is putting a number on it. It's just a lot more than three. Um, that's not what he's meaning to say. Um, it, it's much more the idea of it, it's limitless. How often you should forgive somebody when they have hurt you is over and over and over again, every time. Every time. Compare and contrast the master's interaction with the servant with the servant's interaction with the other servant. So there's some interesting language around how their interactions or what their interactions look like. For instance, uh, in verse 26, the servant is described it's falling down before the master saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all, which is actually the exact same thing in verse 29. That's an interesting comparison. Master have patience with me, I will pay you all. Same as same in verse 26 as it is in verse 29. However, the master's response is to be moved with compassion, to release him, and to forgive him of the debt. So those are the three. The three actions of the master. And in these three actions of the master, I I think Jesus is is hoping that what will catch is that this is the character of God. Move with compassion, releases him, and forgave him the debt. Those three. Those are the three actions that the master gives to the servant. Now, the servant, in contrast, and how he responds to the other servant are three very, very different things. things. Verse 28 says that the servant found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred air. He laid hands on him, and I, I don't believe he was doing prayer ministry here. <laughs> Laying hands on him, I, I think this is much more of a violent placing of hands. Took him by the throat, which is also very, uh, there, it's, it's not easy to talk back to somebody when you've got them or that for them to talk to you when you've, you've got them by the throat. There's, again, a, a violent gesture. There's anger, there's rage, there's, there's all of that. He's, he's ready to go. And the third thing is, in verse 30, he went and threw him into prison. So we have laying on of hands, again, not the prayer ministry, gentle, inviting of the Holy Spirit, prayer ministry, laying on of hands, but a more violent laying on of hands, Secondly, he grabs him by the throat. And third, he throws him into prison. Very different contrast from how the master treats him. Let's take a look at the difference between what they owed. The servant owes the master 10,000 talents. The other servant owes the particular servant that's interacting with the master, he owes him 30 denarii, or denarii. I've heard it both ways. We'll call it denarii. Or, I'm sorry, who owed him 100 denarii. So we have 100 denarii versus 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents is the equivalent of anywhere between 60 and 100 million denarii. 60 and 100 million denarii. Now there's, there's a bit of an over exaggeration here, what's, what some commentators call hyperbole. In this, because 60 and 100 million denarii, there wasn't that much money circulating in that area at the time. So, this guy, this, this, ma- this servant, this particular servant who's interacting with the master, owes the master something he would never be able to repay, ever. There's no way. He wouldn't have seen that much money in his lifetime. And yet, he's, he's forgiven of the debt because the master has compassion, he releases him, he forgives him. Whereas the other one? 100 denarii. That's that's 100 days of work. We're a little over 3 months. That's still a lot. That's still a lot, but you could you could you could pay that back. And it's the the servant who is more violent with this other servant. Interesting. Verse 33 concludes with a, with a with a question that should cause us to pause. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And I think in understanding kind of the gravity of the situation and what the difference, the huge difference between the debt and inter- understanding the huge difference between the interactions should cause us to pause. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant, just as I have pity on you? Which leads us to the question tonight, of why forgive? We're talking about forgiveness, so why? Why should we? Or should, should we not also have compassion? Just as God has had compassion on us. Two reasons why I want to highlight. There are a lot of reasons to forgive. Again, this is an exhaustive list, but for the sake of only giving you two things to think about, about why forgive. The first thing is, why forgive? We forgive because God has forgiven us. That is evident in the story. The master character in this story is Jesus communicating, this is what you need to know about my Father, God. Why forgive? Because God has forgiven us. Ephesians 4.32. Ephesians 4.32 encourages us to forgive one another just as God, through Christ, has forgiven us. Ephesians 4.32 encourages us to forgive one another just as God, through Christ, has forgiven us. In Hebrews 10, and actually throughout Hebrews, starting at around chapter 7, there's this image of Christ as our great high priest. Except for the difference between Christ this, this, the this high priest that Christ is, is the one who makes the sacrifices and he is the sacrifice. Whereas the priests, they would make the sacrifices on behalf of the people. Well, Jesus becomes the great high priest who offers himself as a sacrifice for the freedom of all people or for the forgiveness of all people. It's a really awesome section in Hebrews. If you're interested in reading that book, you should. Particularly chapters 7 through 10. But Hebrews 10, again, the image of Christ as a high priest. And the particular language around Christ is that he, is, he has become the one sacrifice for all. So he has made forgiveness available for all. And Hebrews really kind of takes, takes the idea that the sacrificial system that was set up for the Jewish people, that Jesus came to, and it was put, the sacrificial system was pointing to him, that he came and said, actually, I'm making forgiveness open to all these people. So he has made forgiveness available. And forgiveness is available for all, but we have to choose to access it. So there is some needed response from us to access the forgiveness that God has made available to us through what Christ has done on the cross. 1 John 1.9 says this. 1 John 1.9 says this. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, if we say, God, this is what we have done, This is the way we have missed the mark. This is the way we have hurt ourselves and other people. He, God, is faithful. He is consistent. He continues to, and he is just. He is fair, and his justice is ripe with mercy and grace. He is just to forgive us, to release us, forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness or to take away those things that were clinging to us, or ways that we have stained ourselves and hurt others in the process. Galatians 2.20 is another one of my favorite verses. Galatians 2.20 says that I have been, Paul's writing, uh, it's one of his letters to the church in Galatia. And in chapter 2, verse 20, he says that I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. The life that I now live, I live by the Spirit. And the book of Galatians is all about life being led and life in the Spirit and what that looks like and what comes out of that. And in Galatians 2.20, he's talking about those who choose to access the forgiveness that God has offered. This sort of this, this free pass, this you've, you've done stuff, you've hurt people, you've You've hurt yourself. But I I will forgive you of all of it. It is available to all of you. If you will receive this, uh, what happens is you take part in my crucifixion and you become a new creation. You become a new person who actually has the ability to forgive other people because you've received forgiveness. And out of that receiving of forgiveness, you can extend forgiveness. And let me suggest to you tonight, let me submit to you tonight that if you have received the forgiveness of God, that it is Christ in you that enables you to forgive others. It is Christ in you that enables you to forgive others. Without the power of Christ in you, and that being the Holy Spirit working in you, it's really difficult to forgive. Because there's no precedent for it. There's no map for it. There's no example for it. Why forgive? Because God has forgiven us. And he isn't just the model of what forgiveness looks like. He's actually the power, the enabling force that we have, if we've received his forgiveness, to forgive others. Second reason for why to forgive. Forgiveness is an essential part of your growth As a Christ follower. Essential part of your growth. As a Christ follower. In the New Testament. The most common word in Greek for forgiveness. Means literally to release. To hurl away. Or to free yourself. The most common word in Greek for forgiveness. Means literally to release. To hurl away. Or to free yourself. A man named Lewis Smeads, who's a popular uh, Christian writer, speaker. He was a professor uh, at Fuller Theological Seminary, the school that I am currently enrolled in. Yay, Fuller. <laughs> he, he had a, a lot of stuff to say about a lot of stuff to say about forgiveness. But one of the things that he said about forgiveness, and this quote is on the back side of your handout, I believe, is, is that the, f- the first and often the only person to be healed by forgiveness is the person who does the forgiveness. When we genuinely forgive, we set a prisoner free and then discover that the prisoner we set free was us. Isn't that great? When we genuinely forgive, we set a prisoner free and then discover that the prisoner we have set free was us. So forgiveness is an essential part of your growth because the more you forgive, the more you actually are releasing yourself from the things that you would hold on to, from the hurts that you have sustained that you want to hold on to because you were treated badly, you want to hang on to them, and the more you're actually to get to a place where you can forgive, then the the more you will grow because the less you will be bound by the things that have been done to you or the things that you've done that you just can't bring yourself to forgive yourself. They're both really hard. So why forgive? We forgive because God, again, has forgiven us. He is our model. He is the power within us that enables us to forgive. And secondly, forgiveness is an essential part of your growth. And the more you do it, the more free you become. All right. So there's some stuff about why, why to forgive. There's a lot of other reasons. Again, I, I recognize that. And uh, really, the, a, a forgiveness talk is... is is never going to completely give you all that you need. You could do a year-long series on it and still probably just scrape (laughs) the the subject. But let's keep moving. Now I I think we're going to turn the page a little bit and move from this kind of why forgive and sort of a theology of forgiveness into a more practical idea about the process of forgiveness, because I think it's really helpful for us to know, like, what do I, what do I do? So, uh, I'm, I'm, we're talking about forgiveness. Somebody's hurt me. I think I might have hurt somebody else. What should I do? Um, that's, that's where we're going to go. And and I think that the process uh, for forgiveness uh, takes place through the kind of the vehicle of conflict resolution. And by conflict uh, resolution, I just mean when 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 a conflict happens. That's that's when something is actually done or said to us. That's when you have a conflict. That's when you have a conflict between people. Now, just to clarify, it's a, a conflict is not you hearing some, something from somebody else or seeing somebody do something and then you interpreting it a certain way that allows them to be the bad person. It's something that they've actually done to you that you can point to and say, when you did this, this really hurt. So it isn't, it isn't something like, You're sitting around at the table, and somebody says to you, can you pass the peas? And you've decided to interpret that as they're trying to exercise their power. We have a conflict. That's not a conflict, Okay. What that is is you kind of reading into some things. And you might need to work that out. Or you may need to ask for clarification. What did you mean by pass the peas? (laughs) That can actually be helpful sometimes. Now, I realize that's kind of a silly example, but you know what I'm talking about. There are times that we get into conflicts that aren't really conflicts. They're just ways that we're interpreting things and we're not giving the other person the benefit of the doubt. And oftentimes, I think that's actually where you need to start. Give the other person the benefit of the doubt. Don't believe that they're really out to get you. That's a good place to start. And if you think that they are, maybe ask them for clarification. What did you mean by that? Not did you mean this, that's just creating an expectation for what you think they meant. Okay? So that's the difference between an interpersonal conflict and an intra internal personal conflict. Okay. There are different approaches to conflict resolution. These are the approaches to conflict resolution. I'm sure you will find yourself in one, if not multiple, of these. So again this is this is what what happens how do we respond when somebody has hurt us or maybe we think we've hurt somebody? The first approach to conflict resolution and these these are according to um, the Thomas Kilman conflict resolution model if you want to look this up this isn't straight from Kyle. I'm not that smart. <clears throat> the first approach to conflict resolution is uh, to avoid or avoiding. Now the strength of the avoiding approach to conflict resolution is is that Avoiding actually allows a cooling-off period to understand it better. So somebody has hurt you and then you need to, you need to distance yourself from them, that's, kind of, that's, the, that's the avoiding one. The problem or the weakness of the avoiding conflict resolution thing is that um, it's easier to kind of joke around about the person that's hurt you or be sarcastic towards them or to hold grudges against them or to process about them in the meantime while you're avoiding it. And that can often lead to things like gossip that just destroy somebody and destroy you, really. Gossip is like drinking Drano. It will kill you from the inside out. So the strength of the avoiding one is that you actually get some time to think like, okay, was that did that really hurt me? Why did that hurt me? Should I approach them? How should I approach them? To actually, think about it. So that, that helps. If you're an avoider, what you need to do is have somebody put a time limit on how long you're going to avoid it. Whether it's a week, 10 days, whatever. You're going to take a set period of time and say, this is how long I'm going to think about this, pray about this, maybe even seek counsel about this and then I will approach. Otherwise, because again, getting back into the weakness of the avoider. Otherwise, it's really easy to just never go through with it and just sort of, you know, when you interact with them, hey, I really like your shirt, it's awesome. You know, that kind of snipey thing that will come out. Tess likes my shirt tonight, right Tess? Thanks, Tess. All right, the second approach to conflict resolution is the confronting approach. Now, the confronting approach uh, moves towards resolution quickly. And I punch my hand because you confronters know what I'm talking about. You move towards it quickly. The problem with the confronting approach is that sometimes it can be too fast. And it can create an awkwardness that creates more conflict. Now, hear me on this. In order for conflict resolution to really happen, both sides, both sides need to be interested in resolving the conflict. When only one side wants to resolve the conflict or even move towards forgiveness, and the other one's like, I'm not ready to do this, it's not gonna happen. And chances are you'll create more conflict. And that is the weakness of the the confrontational because, oh no, something's wrong, we must resolve this right now, this minute. Now the strength of the confronting one is that it does tend to show a desire and a heart to make things right. And that you're really not okay with with a lack of harmony or a lack of, of unity. And, and that's, that's that's good. So that that actually is, is worth acknowledging if you're around a confronting person or if you are the confronting person to say, I just really want us to move towards a place where we can be okay. That's good. That's helpful. But sometimes it can just be a little too strong. It can create awkwardness, create more conflict, things like that. Third approach is the compromising approach. Now, in the compromising approach, the problem with it is that both sides have to give up something, and both sides end up losing. Now, some of you may think, well, that's, that's actually kind of, a, that's kind of a strength. You move towards resolution. And in some cases, it, it can be. But the problem with, with the compromising, or I say the weakness of the compromising approach is that um, it will often, for the sake of time, just give up something that they actually really want, that they really value that they really need. They'll just you know what, I'm tired of being in this conflict. Fine, I just agree with you, is usually what compromising looks like. The strength of it is, is that actually since, since it is a compromise, both sides have to give up something. So it isn't just one person giving something up and the other person going, yeah, I won. Actually, both people are giving up something. Or in some cases, both people are losing. Now, the fourth and final one is the is, is collaborating. And the collaborating approach is where uh, each side uh, can gain an understanding, Now, the, the, and, and that's helpful. But the collaborating approach takes a while, because that's when neither side is saying, okay, I just give up, fine, you're right, I'll do that, but you have to do this for me. That's kind of the compromising idea. Collaborating says, we're gonna stay in this and, and iron this out Together, and we're going to figure out how to work together on this, no matter how long it takes. That's the collaborating approach to conflict. Now, fortunately, uh, for me in my situation, just just to go a little personal uh, uh, on this, my wife and I are both collaborators. So th- there are there are times where it just takes a really long time for us to work stuff out. Um, or we just kind of end up laughing at each other and going, that was a ridiculous argument. Why are we having that in the first place? That helps too. The reason I'm talking about these approaches uh, to conflict resolution is um, it's, I think it's helpful for us to understand what our tendency is in these things and to know that actually all four of these approaches have strengths to them, but they all have weakness. And so when you find yourself in a conflict, when you find yourself in a place where you know that there is, the forgiveness needs to happen, it's good to know how you're approaching it. And it's good to know what a potential weakness or a potential kind of pitfall is to that. So that you can move into it and say, okay, um, I think I'm an avoider, so that means when this person hurt me, I, I need to take some time, I need to think about it, I need to pray about it, but my time limit is this much, and after that time, I, I will go and have this conversation. So that's why we're talking about the approaches. So, so even, even some more how-tos. Hopefully this is getting your wheels turning leading up into the Q&A qu- portion. Some more how-tos. If someone is confessing something to you, now I, 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 again, another sort of disclaimer around these things. Uh, these all come from a place of I've experienced these kinds of things <laughs> Or I'm usually the one who's who's, who's hurting somebody and they're, they're processing this with me. So um, I, this comes from that kind of experience and some people that have written some books and spoken that are much smarter than I am. Um, and so this is kind of where this how-to stuff about what to do when you're in this place comes from. <coughs> Excuse me. So if someone is confessing something to you, saying I've done this to you, and asking you to forgive them, what I want to say to this is, if you're in the position of of hearing somebody in that position, don't forgive too quickly. Now what I mean by that is this. Don't just say, don't just hear it and then go, I forgive you. Because that's the Christian thing to do. If you are really ready to extend forgiveness to that person, do it. Absolutely. Do it. But if you aren't, and what they're saying that they've done to you and that they're asking for forgiveness really hurts you, it is really okay to say, you know what, I really want to forgive you. But right now, I don't think I can bring myself to do that. Can we meet again in a week and talk? Because if you extend forgiveness that isn't really rooted in your heart's desire to forgive the person, you won't really forgive them. You won't do it. A couple of years ago, I had an an interaction with somebody who was a trusted friend and had been a friend for years. And they approached me and said, you know, we we, we did this uh, kind of behind your back and we wanted you to know about it and we're really sorry. And I immediately said, oh yeah, I forgive you. Yeah, it's not that big of a deal. And about A week later, I found myself thinking about this person and just mad, just angry at them. How dare they betray me? How dare they say those things about me? Why? Just in that place where I was just angry. And I realized that, you know what? I I hadn't forgiven them, and I had to forgive them again later. I had to... uh, confront them and say, you know what? Actually, when I told you that I forgave you, I didn't really forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm actually ready to forgive you. And that was kind, of, it was kind of embarrassing for me. I mean, it was good. It was a good, humbling process. But at the same time, I shouldn't have said, oh, yeah, yeah, I forgive you. Not that big of a deal. Like, I, th- I, th- I think the better thing to do is to say, I- I'm not ready to forgive you yet. I appreciate that you're telling me this. And I'm going to move towards forgiveness, but right now I think I might just need a little time. So don't forgive too fast. If you are the one, if you are the one who has been hurt, so somebody has hurt you, somebody has said something to you or done something to you that has hurt you. And I'm not talking about somebody having malice intent, not necessarily about somebody having malice intent and going after you, but they could just be doing something or saying something that just hurt you. excuse me, if you are the one who has been hurt, the first thing I suggest is to not over-process. And what I mean by not over-process is, um, let's take, for example, um, Natalie said something about me that really hurt my feelings. What I need to not do is go and hang out with Jeff and just talk about what Natalie did. For a really long time, just over and over and over and over again. Because that, again, just turns into gossip. And and sometimes I think we call it processing. We're just kind of getting it off our chest. We're just venting. Listen, venting is only okay when you have somebody who's hearing your venting who says to you, okay, I appreciate that you needed to kind of vent about that, process about that. I'm going to give you three days to go talk to that person and make it right. So if you're the person that's receiving receiving the venting, give a time limit and say, okay, listen, you know that the Christ-like approach to this, the response to this, is to forgive. So what you need to do is move towards that. Otherwise, we're just tearing this person down. So don't overprocess. Second thing, if you're the one who's been hurt, is you need to be specific about what the person did to hurt you. You need to be specific about what the other person did that hurt you. And what I mean by that is don't go to somebody and say, you were a real jerk to me. (laughs) That's not helpful. It's not helpful at all. You need to say, when you said this or when you did this, it made me feel this way. Because when you just said, you know, you're a real jerk to me, all we're doing then is just name-calling. And we might as well go back into the sandbox and pick up rocks and just throw them at each other. Because it's not helpful. So be specific about what was actually said or done to you. Third, offer an at- alternative statement or action that would be more helpful. So we don't overprocess. We're actually specific with what was done. And then thirdly, we, we say something to the effect of... <coughs> This saying this or doing this would have been would have been better, I think. Perhaps next time that would be a more helpful interaction for us. Can you just say that sure. So we offer an alternative statement or action that would be more helpful. So, for instance, we we say something to the effect of, "Could you say this or do this next time? That would be a more helpful interaction for us." Okay. One more little tip on if you're the one who's been hurt. And this goes back to the idea of not forgiving too soon. Don't say that it's okay. Okay, when somebody says, I've done this, I want to apologize, please forgive me. The last thing you need to say is, oh, that's okay. That's all right. Because it's not. You wouldn't be having the conversation if it was okay, if what they did was all right. That that completely takes away from what what this person has done to stir up the courage to actually come to you and say, I've done this, please forgive me. Don't say it's okay. Say I forgive you. Okay, because remember, it's not okay. That's why you're talking. You're acknowledging that what has been done is not right, is not okay. And what needs to happen is forgiveness. Okay, so if you're the one who's been hurt, don't say it's okay. Say I forgive you. We'll get to questions at the end. Now, if you are being confronted, so that's one side of it. Here's the other side. If you are the one who's being confronted or being approached in the conversation, here's some tips. First thing, listen. Listen. Be quiet. Shut your mouth. Let the other person talk. Respect that it takes a lot of courage For somebody to approach you and say, "Um, I've done this, please accept my apology, please forgive me, it takes a lot of courage to do that. So listen, wait, let them get their words out. Ask them to be specific if it is not clear what you've done. Ask them to be specific. So if it's just kind of, you know, the other day I was thinking and la, 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 like if it's not specific, like, could you, could you clarify what I said or what I did? Because sometimes we don't even know what we said or what we did. So it's helpful. And I say, I say we because oftentimes I'm the person receiving people coming to me saying, Kyle, when you did this, it really hurt my feelings. So ask them to be specific if it's not clear what, what's been done. Third, thank them for being courageous enough to approach you. It's just, this is, again, hopefully you're hearing in all of this, to listen, to ask them to be specific, to thank them for being courageous. This is all a very humble posture that I think really allows forgiveness to actually happen. Because there has to be humility. There has to be grace in order for forgiveness to actually take root. Lastly, apologize and ask forgiveness for how you made them feel before explaining what you meant. You guys see the difference? So apologize and ask them for forgiveness before, or for how you made them feel before you explain what you meant. I think the tendency oftentimes is somebody's saying stuff, you did this, you said this, it hurt me, to get defensive and push back and go, that's not what I meant. No, I really meant this. You're so silly. I didn't mean that. Or you're nuts. How could you get that from what I was doing? depending on your personality type. That's not helpful. It's not helpful for the conversation to be defensive and say, no, 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 this this is what I meant. You're misunderstanding me. What you need to do is first just apologize that what you did or said hurt that person. And then, perhaps, you can move forward and say, you know, actually what I was meaning by what I said there was this. I'm sorry that it got misinterpreted, and I'm sorry that it hurt you. That's more helpful than leading with, I meant that." You're crazy. So if you're being confronted, again, listen. Ask them to be specific if it's not clear what they've done. Thank them for being courageous enough to approach you. and Apologize and ask forgiveness for how you made them feel before explaining what you meant. OK. Couple more things. <clears throat> What about appropriate boundaries? What about big stuff? What about the times, the the encounters that we have where really hard things have happened to us? How do we forgive those big things, whatever they are? Because Jesus is talking about unlimited forgiveness that we are supposed to extend. That's, That's the way of the master. That's how he did it. And if we are to be following the Master Jesus, we need to be extending and limited forgiveness. And this gets into that question about which is better, to forgive and remember, versus to forgive and forget. Now, to forgive and forget, that's easy for God. right? In Psalms 103, it talks about, that as far as the east is from the west, that's how far God has removed our transgressions from us. That's how far removed we're over here. Our sin is over here. That's how God is. He's, he's chosen to forget those things. But for us, that's a little harder, especially with those big things. And what I want to say about kind of those big, hard things is that it is okay to forgive, to release, to actually bring yourself to a place where you can forgive somebody, but then remember and say, because this has happened, I need to set up an appropriate boundary between myself and this other party involved so that that deep pain doesn't occur again, and again, and again, and again. It is possible to extend forgiveness to somebody else and not become their best friend because of it. In fact, I think when conflict resolution happens and we can actually bring ourselves to forgive people sometimes, usually what happens is the relationship takes a step back for a time and that's okay because then it actually gives the potential to move forward when we don't forgive we're just walking we're just walking away but I think when we do forgive we actually step up receive forgiveness and if we need to set an appropriate boundary we take a step back and maybe two but at least we're not actively walking away Constantly So it's actually okay to forgive and to remember. Another great quote that you have in your handout by Lewis Smeads about this, I think it applies really well, is that forgiveness is not the same as pardon. You may forgive one who wronged you and still insist on a just punishment for that wrong. If you can bring yourself to the point of forgiveness, though, you will release its healing power both in you and in the person who wronged you. When you forgive, we are saying that the worst act is not the last act. If you can bring yourself to the point of forgiveness, though, you will release its healing power both in you and in the person who wronged you. When we forgive, we are saying that the worst act is not the last act. It's powerful stuff. Because, again, it affirms the idea that forgiveness is an essential part of our growth as Christ followers. And that it releases something in us that we say we're no longer going to hold on to this thing that was done to us. We're going we're to release it. We're going to forgive we're gonna live with open hands and, and forgive, and live out of that posture. And it actually can enable forgiveness to take root and occur in the other party that has hurt us. It doesn't guarantee it. You can't control the response all the time. You can't. But at least there's a precedent set for you know I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna for, I'm gonna forgive you. And potentially they might change because of that act of, that act of grace. Um, I'm a theater guy. I like theater. I like to act. Most of you have probably seen some adaptation either in theater or in movie of Les Miserables and the character of Jean Valjean, the most wonderful illustration of forgiveness. If you're not familiar with the story, Jean Valjean is this traveler. He stays in this house. He is given He's given sanctuary, and in the middle of the night, he takes all the silver out of the house, grabs it, and takes off. Well, in the morning, the cops show up with Jean Valjean in tow, and they bring him to the master of the house, and, so, and they say to him, we found this guy, we think he's stolen from you. And the master of the house says, oh, that's where you are. That's where you've been. You've only taken those? No, take all the gold, too. Take all this with you and go. And the master releases him and says, actually, here. Yeah, this is, this is a gift for you. You need this? Go. And that act of forgiveness changes Jean Valjean. And he becomes a person of grace because of that. I love that illustration because I think that's exactly what happened. That is exactly what happened on the cross. This is God saying, you know what? You come to me, all you people with all your stuff, with all the stuff, that your sins, the way that you've hurt yourselves and hurt others, you come to me in that state and I forgive you and I actually give you more. I give you more. I give you myself and I free you up to go and become a person of grace and change and forgiveness. Forgiveness has essentially, again, first been done for us, and then we are given the power and have been enabled to forgive other people. And the more we can forgive one another, the greater that testifies to what God did through Jesus on the cross. Forgiveness actually is an essential witness component to the rest of the world. Because the church actually has a precedence for forgiveness. So a lot of this stuff, this this approach to conflict resolution, these these how-tos, they're nice because they help us to understand how forgiveness works. But the real reason it works is because God has forgiven us and enabled us to forgive one another. How many of you read this verse before, or quoted this verse before, seen this verse before, heard this verse? Probably a few of you, maybe many of you. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them. This often gets prayed in prayer meetings and things like that, or to remind us that the presence of God is here, we're praying together, we're together, that kind of stuff. That's great, that's all good and true. This verse falls before Verse 21, which is Peter asking about how many times am I supposed to forgive. This verse falls at the end of a section in Matthew 18 that talks about if somebody has hurt you, this is what you're supposed to do. First, you're supposed to go to them and say, you've you've hurt me, We we need to make this right, we need to forgive. If that doesn't work, then you take somebody else with you and you guys work it out. In the course, you have a mediator. If that situation doesn't work out, then, and this is all in the context of a church, if that doesn't work out, then you need to go bigger. And then if that doesn't work out, then you need to cut off the relationship. And then this verse, for where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in the midst of them. This verse is about when we extend forgiveness to one another, when we resolve our conflict, when we work out our stuff. Yes, we can use it in our prayer meetings. You should, absolutely, that's great. But you need to recognize and understand that this verse is essentially about where two or three of people are gathered in my name, working out their stuff, forgiving one another. That's where God is. That's where God is, because he is about forgiveness. He is about us revolving our stuff and making it right. I love that. That's where he is. You want to experience the presence of God? Forgive one another. Forgive one another. That's when you'll experience the presence of God. Okay. We have a few minutes to do some Q&A. Good question. You can't find them, and you can't go home. You can't, so there's no way of getting infected. Right. So again, part of this is the internal process of forgiveness. It's actually your ability to extend forgiveness to somebody else that isn't dependent upon how they respond. So there are occasions where you've lost contact with somebody where you actually just need to, to grieve over what has been done to you and then arrive at a place where you can say and confess to God, God, I forgive this person. There are other times when somebody is just really, really far away and you may not have contact with them where writing a letter might be the most helpful thing you can do. That is a a potential option as well.
1: I've I've actually seen um, that, uh, you know, in, in Alcoholics Anonymous, they have that make amends thing. And I've seen... So many times people make amends, and in, in, it makes things worse um, because it just all of a sudden there was there was the division had been settled, and then now as you reopen old wounds that really don't need to be opened up. Now, if that person asks you for forgiveness, and we're going to come back to this because I want to push into what he said a little bit because I I don't exactly have the same interpretation as him. I think there's room for differences of opinions, but. Um, I want to push into this a little bit. But if a person asks you, then it, it, the onus is on you to forgive them. <coughs> if they have said nothing, then it's just an issue of your heart of letting it go. And that's between you and the Lord, really. And so you don't really have to bring the other person in unless they've asked for forgiveness. Um, so just on his uh, on what he said about... Um, don't say I forgive you if you haven't really forgiven them yet I just want I want to push in there a little and like I said there's room for a difference of, of, sure. of opinion but I'm I am uh, first of all biblically mandated you need to forgive them so whether or not you feel like you' you're, you've forgiven them yet isn't really the issue you have to work on it and that if, whether you say you forgive them or not you're going to still have to work on that <laughs> Right. and if it's a huge issue I mean I you know bad things have happened to people in this world um, you know somebody murders somebody that's close to you uh, other sort of atrocious uh, things that happen to members of your family or whatever those are issues you may have to forgive and you got to do it over and over and over and over and over because it keeps And so as part of that, forgive seven times 70 is, it's a process. The whole thing's a process. Now, personally, my my personal opinion is that part of the process is to speak life into the process. So if somebody asks me for forgiveness and I don't feel like I've forgiven them, I will say, I forgive you because I believe it speaks life into the forgiveness I want God to work in my heart whether I feel it or not I also believe that it creates less division and less tension um, in the long run which is what the goal is uh, you're trying to reconcile so two differences of opinion Um, both for both of us the the is, there's the same principle, you need to forgive them. Yeah, amen. Okay? So either way, all right, either way you've gotta forgive them. And I personally think that I would rather speak life into that forgiveness okay. and say, I forgive you because I don't think forgiveness is always, uh, um, I don't think you have to feel forgiveness to work it through. And there may be times when you don't feel like forgiving them at all. <laughs> And, um, and that's not really the issue. The issue is you still have to forgive them. So I, I just, I, I usually take the approach, I will, you know, now it's my, okay, he did or she did their part. They did what they were supposed to do. They asked for forgiveness. Now my part is I've got to forgive them, whether I feel like it or not. I'm going to have to <coughs> take the, that burden and that onus and I'm going to have to work it through with the Lord. And it may be something that, um, takes a long time to work through. I know. I talk to people as a pastor who have wounds from childhood with their parents. They don't speak. There's. I mean, there are tough issues that take a long time to w- to work through. And as Kyle said, it takes both parties to want to work it through to work it through. But it only takes one party to forgive. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's that that would be the one thing where I would just. Take a little different approach than Kyle, but it's not like one way is wrong and one way is right. Yeah, that's does that helpful. make sense?
0: Yeah. Okay, that's good.
2: Yeah. What if, what if you're a aware but you're not? Like you're, you're, you're kind of, you're kind of shy. hmm Hypothetically speaking.
0: Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: you get to that point where you're actually okay, now I'm gonna talk yeah. to that person.
1: Right. But but I'm not understanding if so if you're the one hurt, um, do you are you saying you think you always need to talk to them?
0: Yeah, well, and I'll say too, I, I think all four of these approaches certainly have um, some cultural bias to them, in terms of there there are certain modes of approaching conflict resolution that are just sort of built into one's culture, so they they come more natural um, that way. So again, that's that's the idea of that there isn't necessarily the, the the clear one that's the best. Um, so anyhow, so if you're if you're a if you're an avoider and it's really hard for you to be articulate or to say, this is what's going on. Um, I, I think a, a good thing to have is somebody to process what you're thinking, what you're feeling, and how you would go about approaching the person who can actually help you kind of put into words where your experience, what, what you want to say, if you need to write it down, all those kinds of things. Bring in people, being in trusted people who are willing to help you kind of know what to say and then they are the people also to encourage you into that conversation and they are the people actually who will hold you accountable to having that conversation who will later say how'd that go I know you had that a couple days ago how'd that go
1: yeah and that's that's if you need to have the conversation it's possible to work out forgiveness without having to now if you're in a marriage or in a committed relationship where you're getting hurt over and over again, you gotta have some conversations around what boundaries are. Yeah. If somebody's, uh, you know, getting hit <coughs> or beaten or something, you know, you don't just say, oh, I'll just keep forgiving you. You know, you right. put some protection up. And so if this is somebody that's hurting you, that's, that's close to you, you may have to have a conversation with them so you don't get hurt again. But if it's like right. a, you know, some passing, person yeah. that you might never see again, I, I don't even <laughs> I don't think that the uh, conversation's helpful. I think yeah. you just have to work that out in your heart. should still always have the Lord. So yeah. I mean you can take those things to him and that's really where, you know, we're all supposed to go with all our wounds and hurts. Right. And um and find comfort there. Yeah. But I do think that's the value of community. We're yep. talking about community life, yep. you know. I mean right. if yep. you're new to some some area then uh, hopefully you'll get involved in a small group or something like that where you can start to develop those those
0: sorts of people. Yeah, small groups are good. Um Yeah, and and I think, too, getting back to that point earlier of it's also worth it to give the person the benefit of the doubt and and to actually just extend grace and say, well, maybe that person was having a bad day.
2: Yeah,
1: I mean, that's uh, what I was going at when I was talking about taking a little bit of a different approach from him. I think if you just speak life on things you don't feel, you can start to to work them out. And so, you know, a lot of times uh, you may not feel like you want to forgive. I mean, if somebody really, 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 really does something really, really bad, um, you may just have to start with, Lord, help me to even want to forgive because um, I don't even want to. I, you know, help me not to at least call fire down from heaven on him <laughs> right now. Um, you know, you, you gotta start where you can start. And, um, and so I think the principle is, don't go to bed angry. The principle is be careful that a root of bitterness does not begin to grow in you by which many are poisoned. Okay, that's what the Bible says. That's the principle. You've got to pull that thing out when it's small because once it grows roots, it is really hard to get
0: <coughs> out of there. Um, should we take more? You
1: could, take, you, you could take, a um, maybe take one or, or something and then close and
0: then if people have more yeah. questions, we can hang around. Let's do that. Um, let's see your question and we'll do that. You know What uh, the, there's um, one thing I will never God do knows. <laughs>
1: is I will never yeah. decide, yeah. who made it to heaven and who didn't. Yeah, I am not the judge, that is that's the Lord's job, and um, yeah. I can only do what I'm required to do, um, and what God asked me to do. I yeah. can't uh, make judgments on other people's. I have my father passed away seven years ago. I don't know if you know, he yeah. knew the Lord. I hope you know, in his last couple days or whatever. This last minute even, he met the Lord. I'm never going to say, oh, yeah. he didn't know the Lord. He's not in heaven. You know, that that's not helpful, and it's not our job. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, my hope is he did meet the Lord before he yeah. went to heaven, and that's my hope for anybody who, who yeah. doesn't know the Lord. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's not for me to worry about, really. Uh, that's yeah, the Lord's job.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, God knows, and he's... He's all just and all merciful, so he's all of both of those things. I so, will say this yeah. in
1: Matthew um, 7, it does say, be careful not to judge people, yep. because by whatever me- measure you decide yep. to judge others by, that's what you're going to be held yep. accountable to, and earlier in Matthew 5, um, you know, if we're not willing to forgive others, we won't be forgiven, so there's some scary verses there, but you got to apply them to yourself, not to others.
0: All right, well, let me pray, and then if you want to stick around and come up here and ask us some more questions, feel free. God, again, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you have forgiven us, that you have made forgiveness accessible to all. And so, God, I pray that we would lean into that, that we would embrace your forgiveness, and that from that place of receiving forgiveness from you, that we would extend it to others. Help us, God. Help us to be merciful towards one another, uh, to to forgive, to to forgive even when it's really hard, and to continue to forgive as we know it's a process. So thank you for for your word. Again, thank you that it has the power to change us. And I pray that um, as we we leave this place, God, if there are um, faces, names, people that you have brought to mind, as we have sat here and talked about this, who we know we need to forgive or we need to um, ask for forgiveness from, God, would you give us the courage to do that? And I pray that we wouldn't wait, that we would um, be responsive to your Spirit's stirring in us. Pray all this in your name. Amen.